For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who, by their unrighteousness, suppress the truth. Since what can be known about God is evident from them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. For though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals and reptiles. Therefore God delivered them over in their desires of their hearts to sexual impurity so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served what has been created instead of the creator who is praised forever. Amen. For this reason God delivered them over to their disgraceful passions. Their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. The men in the same way also left natural relations with women and were inflamed in their lust for one another. Men committed shameless acts with men and received their own persons the appropriate penalty of their error. And because they did think it worthwhile to acknowledge did not think it worthwhile to acknowledge God, God delivered them over to a corrupt mind so that they do what is not right. They are filled with all unrighteousness, evil, greed and wickedness. They are full of envy, murder, quarrels, deceit and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, arrogant, proud, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, senseless, untrustworthy, unloving and unmerciful. Although they know God's just sentence that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but even applaud others who practice them. Good morning, everybody. Uh, My name is James. I'm part of the team here as well. Can I add my welcome to everyone uh, to that of John's? It's, It's good to be together. Uh, Well, as John said, we're making our way through uh, this letter of Romans, the New Testament letter written by the Apostle Paul. And Paul's, I guess, big aim in the letter, certainly uh, this part of it, is to set out and explain and defend the good news of Christianity, the the gospel message. And he kind of summarised it at the end of our passage last week, verse 17. In the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith through faith, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The gospel is about God's gift of righteousness uh, by faith to people that need it. And in the passage that we've just read, which continues on, Paul uh, 
is, is laying out the gospel. And he starts with the problem that the gospel addresses. In lots of areas of life, I'm sure you'd agree, uh, you need to understand problems before you can apply solutions. Uh, if you've ever faced her- serious health uh, challenges, you'll know this is the case. There's always lots of tests and scans and um, biopsies to, to correctly diagnose an issue before you apply the treatment. If you don't get the diagnosis right, uh, you'll apply the wrong treatment. And this, this dynamic of problem then solution is the dynamic that's at work in these chapters of Romans. Um, now, often when we learn about problems, maybe in the health setting, it leads to ex- strong emotions, maybe fear, um, confusion, uh, denial perhaps, denial, particularly if the diagnosis we're given doesn't line up with our experience and we don't, the problem doesn't feel as serious as what the doctors are saying. Um, we might experience similar emotions to that this morning as we work through this passage. It's a very serious and confronting part of God's word, uh, but it is describing reality. This is God's word to us, God, the word of of a loving doctor who wants us to understand the danger we're in. Uh, And we need to take it seriously. Um, So what is the problem uh, that Paul lays out? If the gospel is fundamentally a solution to the big problem, uh, what is the problem? Well, it's there in verse 18. Verse 18, it says, for, and notice that word, it's Paul is continuing the the sort of line of reasoning that he started uh, in the previous verses, uh, why we need righteousness. For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people. Um, The problem, the biggest problem you and I face, the biggest problem for humanity, is that we, all of us, are the objects of God's wrath, his rightful anger. Now, I'm speaking here... um, with an acknowledgement that the wonderful grace that's in Jesus is yet to come in Paul's argument. If you belong to Jesus, you're no longer an object of God's wrath. But we're we're focusing on this part of the argument to understand uh, what the issue is. Now, perhaps you're wondering, well, uh, why is God angry with humanity? How how do we know that this is the case? Uh, What's he done about it? What's he going to do about it? And that's... What the, the, the questions that Paul is seeking to answer. And as we work through this passage, I think it's helpful for us just to order our thoughts under two headings. These are the two things that Paul talks about. He talks about the crime that humanity has committed, all of us. And then he talks about the punishment that God is already uh, beginning to hand out. Crime and punishment. Now, can I say... Um, if you're here this morning, there's different. I love that there's a variety of people here with different stages of their journey with Jesus. Um, that's we love having visitors here, for example, people that are investigating uh, the claims of Christianity. The the confronting truth here, which we all need to wrestle with, is this does apply to us. Um, again, you might it might not feel like this passage is describing you, but I would urge you to to take God's diagnosis of our condition very seriously and if you don't if you can't do that uh, or if you are reluctant to do that uh, the the wonderful message of Jesus perhaps your wife 
uh, who's dragged you along. Uh, you'll never understand, you'll never grasp why Christians are so obsessed and, and marvel and thankful to Jesus if we don't grasp the problem. So the crime, uh, the crime. Let's keep reading verse 18. The God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. This is the first part of the, the crime. Humanity is guilty of suppressing the truth. Now, to suppress something is to deliberately hide uh, and, and conceal something that uh, needs to be revealed. Um, it might help you to think of an inflatable ball in a pool. Um, maybe you've, this, you've been in this situation over summer. You try and hold an inflatable ball down in a swimming pool because it's inflated, it just wants to bob up. Uh, you might try and suppress it under the surface, but uh, you can't do that. It just wants to bob to the surface because it's uh, inflatable. This is a bit like what, what's going on here, the suppression that Paul's talking about. The, the truth which humanity has suppressed is the truth written into the universe, uh, that there is a creator, there is a creator God who is powerful and majestic uh, and worthy of our total devotion. Um, verse 19 uh, describes this. Humanity suppressed the truth since what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, that is his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. Paul says every human being ever understands from creation that there is a creator. And we could point to just the mind-boggling complexity of the human body, the way all the parts work together, or the dazzling array of colours uh, on display in, in flowers and sunsets. We could talk about many things um, that just make it so clear that we have a creator. Now, science, science helps us describe these things and understand how they work, but it doesn't answer the fundamental question of who made this? Um, why did they make it? Of course, our atheist friends disagree with our thinking here, but this is Paul's point, that all of humanity... Uh, ignore what is obvious and we deprive God of the credit, the glory, the honour he deserves. Verse 21, though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. If, if you've ever gone a day um, without sort of turning your mind to God in gratitude uh, as you've breathed oxygen and um, walked on feet and ate food, um, you're the kind of person that this passage describes. So we've all suppressed the truth. The second element of the crime I've summarised as idolatry. So not, not only have we turned from God and, and failed to acknowledge him, we also do something well, even worse. We, we've created gods for ourselves and worship things that aren't God. Um, that is what idolatry is. It's the worshipping of something other than God. 
verse 25 contains a good definition. Um, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served what he's been created instead of the creator. Um, I must confess, whenever I read verse 25, my mind goes back to the big uh, foodie craze of the last 15 or 20 years, you know, the Master Chefs and all the television shows, which I'm sure you've seen. Um, it's, it's, it's been a big part of our culture. And I watch these shows, and uh, often in these shows, the chefs are saying, oh, isn't the, the produce wonderful? Don't, don't try and do, do anything too fancy in your cooking. Just let the produce speak for itself. And sometimes they even have segments where they visit the pig farm and meet the pig that they're about to cook and... Um, <laughs> or the apple orchard, or whatever it is, and, and I'm sitting there watching, think, wake up to yourselves. You're looking for someone to thank you. You're looking for someone to give credit. Uh, and it's God. God made these things. These are features of his wonderful creation given to us to enjoy. And yet in these programs, it's the chefs that are the heroes, or the contestants, or, or the pig farmer, or the pig. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's... This is a trivial example, of course, uh, but it's, we all engage in idolatry. Now, when you hear the word idolatry, perhaps you think of the way some other cultures or ancient cultures bow down to statues and things like that, and we might not do that kind of thing, but we do similar things because we, uh, we all order our lives around things that aren't God. Um, we put our confidence and our security and our hope for fulfillment and happiness in well, all kinds of things, our family, uh, money, personal comfort. It might be an idea, it might be a material thing. Um, our idol is whatever that thing is that we could not bear to lose, the thing for which we make sacrifices. We make sacrifices in other areas of life in order to gain and preserve the thing we love most. And if that's not God, um, then we're guilty of idolatry, and we all are, you and me. And God is rightfully angry with this, uh, with all of us, because he is the creator who is worthy of our absolute honour. You might be thinking, does this, the point I've just made, really apply to me? The answer is yes. Now, Paul and other ancient writers do sometimes speak in corporate terms about groups, and in a sense, he's describing humanity at large here, starting with Adam and Eve, but we've all continued the crime, um, and we, we're all, uh, apart from Jesus, we're all uh, objects of God's wrath. This is, of course, uh, a sobering reality. Uh, we're all objects of God's wrath. That decent neighbour of yours, you know the one, always very friendly, uh, they're not a, a believer, they're not religious at all, they sponsor someone from World Vision, um, they are an object of God's wrath because they haven't honoured God as they should. That uh, native in the deepest Amazon who hasn't even met a Christian, um, they are under God's wrath as well. Because no one has responded to God's revelation of himself in creation uh, appropriately. 
and God is angry. It's not, it's not disproportionate anger or impulsive anger like we uh, are often uh, guilty of. No, it's right anger, um, appropriate anger. Um, this, we must digest this truth if we're to make sense of Christian theology. All the Bible teaches about salvation. Uh, I think our inclination generally speaking, is to view people as innocent until proven guilty by rejecting Jesus. I wonder if that's how you think of your, um, the people around us. Innocent until pre- proven guilty by rejecting Jesus. The picture of the Bible is different. Since the fall, it's, it wasn't like this in the beginning, but ever since the fall, the picture is that we're all guilty until made innocent by Jesus. Not innocent until proven guilty by rejecting Jesus but guilty until made innocent by Jesus. So this is serious stuff. Um, So that is the crime that humanity has committed and why God's wrath is directed towards us. And then elsewhere in the passage, Paul goes on to explain that God has already begun issuing punishment for that crime. Um, God's response to the human crime is that his wrath, verse 18, is being revealed already. Now, yes, uh, there is a day of judgment, a final day of judgment to come. Um, But Paul's point here is that we can see that God is angry. We can observe his wrath already by the way he's beginning to hand us over to our consequences. And the key... uh, the key idea is repeated three times, in fact, in verse 24, 26, and 28. Um, now, the, just to explain the colours, the red text shows us that when Paul's talking about the punishment, he's linking back to what he's already said in the crime. Um, the green text is uh, the const- the, what, what ends up happening. But that blue, the bold blue text, that's the phrase that's repeated. And... What Paul says is that because of our crime, God delivers us over to our sinful pursuits. So God delivered them over to the desires of their hearts. God delivered them over to disgraceful passions. Uh, Because they did not think it worthwhile to acknowledge God, God delivered them over to a corrupt mind. Um, Anytime you see words or phrases repeated um, in close proximity... It's, it's always a good indication that that's you know, a really important part of what is being said. Um, now, if you, as you think about being delivered over, let me just use an illustration that might help you. Imagine a parent and a child walking along, with, perhaps in, in a, a dangerous environment, um, maybe not so much down the hallway, but maybe there's some hazards downstairs. Um, and the, the loving parent has a, a firm protective grasp of the hand of the child because they know that they're not coordinated enough, they're not, they're not capable enough to navigate um, you know, what's ahead of them, to walk down their stairs on their own. But the child is in their terrible twos and they, they just insistent on independence, doing it their own way. They, they just want to be free from their parents' hand. Perhaps if you're a parent, you've experienced something like this. Um, and so after the, 
the dispute, uh, the, the parent lets go and lets the child um, you know, go on, uh, giving them over, delivering them over to their misdirected desires. And, of course, they proceed to, to stumble, maybe down the stairs, incurring injuries. This is what God uh, does. In his punishment, uh, he hands us over to our desire to be distanced from him, our desire to be independent. He removes his loving hand of restraint uh, and he gives, he's given us over to pursue our sinful desires, our, our desire to rule and, and live without him. Um, a naive desire with awful consequences. And the result of that handing over is visible today. God gives us over to what we wanted. And it's not pretty. Uh, What we see uh, is all kinds of um, disordered desires that lead to bad and awful behaviour. Wrong desires of the heart. Disgraceful passions. A corrupt mind. Uh, We see in the lives of all of us and the world at large, moral corruption. Um, That is part of the consequence. Now, and Paul outlines this in a few specific ways, the the kind of moral corruption that evidences, that demonstrates that God has handed us over. Verses 24, 26 and 27 speak particularly about corrupted sexual desires as one aspect of this downward spiral into sin. Um, I'm sure we can easily think of ways that um, heterosexual desires have become disordered, uh, perhaps lustfully fantasising about someone other than your spouse, um, people engaging in adultery, the the absolute proliferation of pornography. Um, There's lots of ways that... Our world has just be, become absolutely over-sexualised in a very damaging way. Um, and that, of course, applies to um, disordered heterosexual desires. Um, but there's also a few verses here about uh, homosexuality as well. Uh, and it's good to talk about them, but I do want to preface these comments with, with just a few thoughts. Um, this isn't a sermon about homosexuality. And... This is a very painful topic for many of us because uh, there'd be statistically there'd be people amongst us that are same-sex attracted. We might have loved ones that identify as homosexuals. And by and large, uh, Christians and the church over history haven't done a very good job of supporting and caring for people in that category. Um, I think we need to repent of the ways we've been judgmental uh, in that regard. Um, But to state the obvious, um, homosexual desire and practice is not an unforgivable sin. In fact, when you read this passage as a whole, it's it's one one of many uh, disordered desires, one of many symptoms of a corrupted mind and heart that applies to all of us. So we all have disordered desires uh, and corrupted uh, intentions. Um, Homosexuality is not singled out. So the reason I'm saying this is that I would, I would hate that we become the kind of church that focuses more energy on uh, judging 
homosexuality than we do repenting and addressing our own sin. Um, that'll be, that's not the church we want to be. Um, having said that, these verses um, are, are fairly clear. Uh, it says that homosexual desire and practice is a, is a perversion of God's natural order, his intention for human sexuality. Um, maybe that's why he uses it as an example, because it's, it's a, a clearly understood example of natural and ordered desires that align with creation um, being flipped and becoming disordered and unnatural. And this is Paul's point. Paul's point is uh, what we see in our world is evidence that God has handed us over to moral corruption, uh, whether that's heterosexual or homosexual or anything else. And in fact, um, the, the sexual sin, sexual disorder, is, is not even the, the root sin. We're all guilty of suppressing the truth and worshipping idols. And if you go to verses 28 to 31, there's a long list. There is a long list of uh, disordered desires and sinful practices that we're all caught up in. If you can't find yourself in that list, um, something's going wrong. Um, do, you, do you experience envy? Um, do you quarrel? Do, are you tempted to lie? Do you gossip? Do you feel arrogant and proud? Um, are you disobedient to parents? Parents, keep, keep that up here up your sleeve for when you need it. It's, it's, it's an interesting inclusion in the list. Um, you see, we're all... Uh, God's handed us all over to moral corruption. And it's, it makes perfect sense. When you, when you take the creator out of the equation, our relationship to everything else in creation becomes disordered and out of balance. People stop being things, objects of love and they become things to use. Material things become objects of worship rather than signs of God's generosity. Uh, that is where our sort of disordered trajectory begins and then issues in all these kinds of behaviours. Uh, we're all part of it. In verse 32... Uh, is prophetic in describing the world we know. Although they know God's just sentence, that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but even applaud others who practice them. Think of the people that are held up as heroes, um, particular television shows, sports stars, social media. Um, there are people uh, who practice and who are clearly living in opposition to God's will, as we all do, but they're held up as heroes. And the, the, the converse, the inverse is true as well. Those that want to do good and right and um, just try and uphold God's good order, they are silenced and cancelled. Um, so this is Paul's big point, that the moral chaos, the moral corruption that we see in our own hearts, in the world at large, is not only something which arouses God's wrath and anger. Yes, it is. That is the case. It's not only arouses God's wrath, 
it is itself a consequence of God's wrath. He has handed us over to our naive, foolish desire to be independent of him. That is why we need the gospel. That is why we need the gospel. We need God to give us righteousness because all of us are under God's wrath. Um, a few years ago, my young boys, we put these glow-in-the-dark uh, stickers on their bedroom wall. Um, I don't recommend it because they're very difficult to get off. Um, <laughs> but it's, an illust- it's, a, it's a helpful image of what's going on here. Um, with these glow-in-the-dark stickers, they're quite uh, bright, but you do need to wait till it's dark and close the blinds and close the door to, to see them, to appreciate them. Um, and, and that's kind of what's happening today. It's, we're, not, we're not artificially turning the lights off so that the gospel of God's kindness looks better than it is. This is, this is reality. Uh, the human condition in our world uh, is dark. Um, but be assured, be absolutely assured, friends, that this is not the end of the story. Paul lays out the problem so that uh, we would all uh, be absolutely clear of the need we have for God's grace. And the wonderful news, which will be coming in Romans, is that uh, God loves humanity and his wrath is not his final say because he finds a way to have mercy and give righteousness to the objects of his wrath uh, in Christ. It's, it's wonderful news. It is uh, light in the darkness and in the coming weeks it will shine very brightly. Why don't we pray for help in digesting these confronting truths? Heavenly Father, we acknowledge we are sinful. We've, we've turned from you and made idols and engage in um, all kinds of sinful behaviours. Father, we're sorry for that. Um, we help us to um, continue in life. Uh, with a sense of contrition for our own sin rather than uh, judgment towards others. Give us rather a great concern for those that are lost and not yet reconciled to you through Jesus. Um, And we pray for help in these things in Jesus' name. Amen.